Dear Lord God, we are grateful for your word and we're grateful for your son, his death, his burial, his resurrection, for the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. We'd ask that you would hold us close to that. In your son's name, amen. I was, I was as you know, I accidentally started in, in John 9, or somewhere around there, and slopped into John 10, and then felt the obligation to do John 11, and then of course, since John 12 was the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, I had to do John 12. So, here we are in John 13. Yeah, it's turning, turning into a series. But I, I was looking at it, I said, because the next X number of chapters in John is the Passion from the Lord, Last Supper through his uh, death and burial and resurrection. I had a whole swath of passages I could have chosen from more concretely on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I sort of, as I, as I looked at the next passage, I, so much rich stuff that Jesus says, um, I wanted to look at him talking about it, because sometimes when we talk about it historically, you know, the soldier sticks the spear to his side, and he says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the running to the tomb, and the tomb being opened, and the angels. You have a narrative of a historic moment, and it's all fitting into our minds how we've already, you know, decided this is going to have meaning to us. But when he's teaching the disciples in John 13 about him leaving and about him coming back, you're getting the Lord's teachings on the matter. Remember he said, uh, I forget whether it was last week or the week before, um, where he says, if you believe my sayings, was it John 12? Was that 12? Um... I think it's the end of John 11. Um, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings is a judge. The word that I have spoken will be his judge on the last day. So I thought maybe if we looked in terms of the resurrection on how the Lord introduced elements of this subject to his disciples. And in John 13, towards the end of 13 and going through most of 14, we have that circumstance. But as I read through it, because you have to admit that even strange, you know, independent churches who, you know, view that the the canonization of Elvis or things of that nature or really high church liturgical churches, um, the resurrection is kind of a fixture. Everybody, everybody believes in the resurrection, unless you're really, really liberal. But what do we do with the resurrection? Do we reenact it every, every Easter? Some churches have a, a Good Friday service where they all feel real sad. They say, hold it, wasn't that a while ago? Shouldn't we be over? They like reenacting the the Holy Week. We got the most we got is flowers that Glenda put together, and we're letting the Anglicans use these because the Anglicans asked. Would you leave your flowers? We said yes, but you got to give them back because Glenda put a lot of work into these. 
And I think, what's his name, Dabney, Stonewall Jackson chaplain? Uh, he believed flowers in the church were the road to Rome. So, there you have it. That's the closest we get. Maybe upstairs they're coloring pictures of an open tomb. I don't know. That may be also Eastery. But as I looked at this passage, I see that Jesus Christ is telling his disciples something that's functioning on an entirely different axis than the establishment of a religion. When he had gone out, and the he there is he who shall not be named, uh, Judas Iscariot. This is right after he, at the Last Supper, is sent out and God, Christ has said, get a bunch of very dim bulbs, his disciples. Who's going to, someone's going to betray me here. And they said, who? And he said, that guy. And they didn't figure it out. Okay? I just want you to know that as you stare vacantly at the pastor, maybe even drawing a picture of him, but as you stare vacantly at the pastor and go, what in the world is he saying? I, take, I say, Jesus had the same problem. So, when he had gone out, that's Judas, Jesus said, and I wondered, since Satan had entered Judas, and out he goes, it's basically, the coast is clear, Jesus can speak freely. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and in him God is glorified. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Now, we all, we, we'll pick that up, no matter what view you hold of the resurrection, no matter whether it's super religious, super liturgical, super personal, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're with that. You're tracking with the glory. It's just God being glorified in Christ and God glorifying himself in this. But a lot depends on where we land with what, how he introduces this to the disciples. Little children, verse 33. Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Oh, that doesn't sound very enticing as a religion. It's always, uh, you know, follow me, you know, give up this, that, and the other thing, and come with me, and hand to the plow, don't look back. He's saying, I'm going someplace, you're not going there. Now, right off the top, you're, you're, in, you're, you're a Jew, you're in a group of people that you've got a master, a rabbi, who's very powerful, metaphysically, and saying weird things throughout his whole ministry, you know something's big afoot, and now he's going away and saying you can't come. That doesn't work like any good religion. If you were to found a religion, say some of you are, you know, get done with college, you're thinking, should I, should I start a business like in Moscow, selling, you know, Scotch tape boutique or something like that, and or should I start a religion? Because you know, if you stopped and sat with your friends, two or three beers into it, the starting the religion starts to become, well, I could do that. I could create a sufficiently interesting priesthood. Um, 
We could build temples around the West. They could be just exactly what you expect. This is not one of the things you do. You just say, you know, this is the most important moment in history. God is being glorified. I'm leaving and you can't follow. But what does that do? What does that do to your students? Your, your... Well, Jesus seems to think that something else is Christian about the moment than them being able to always follow physically their rabbi. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He's defining, and you know how much, I don't have a lot of emotions. I am, I've told Norm a few times, I'm practically a sociopath. Okay? Every care I feel for any one of you is forced. Okay? I have to overcome my natural antipathy for humanity. So I'm not a big relationship pastor. I'm not talking about communication all the time. That it's all about, you know, personal interaction and setting boundaries. And if anyone uses the term boundary in my presence, I will slap them <laughs> really hard. Amen, brother. <laughs> so I'm not that way. So when I'm going to talk about the relationship you have with Jesus Christ, this is me overcoming all my natural dislike for the rest of you. That you love one another. He's saying to the guys who are a little confused because rabbis don't leave the movement right when the movement's getting heady and they're figuring out he might be the Messiah. I'm leaving now. See ya. And you can't come along. But I tell you what. Why don't you do what's important because what will identify you as one of mine because you're, you're, you're kind of at a loss as to how is this religion going to continue and be recognized? He says, why don't you love one another? Because that's how people are going to tell that you're my disciples. Because I've loved you. You ought to love one another. But that's really no fun. I mean, you're talking with your friends about starting a new religion. You know you could draw the temple up really sweet. Somebody was telling me about a who was it last night? Was it you, John, telling me about the Crystal Cathedral in L.A.? Oh, okay, well, you know, you, you've all seen cathedrals. You know ones that touch you emotionally, that the flying buttresses or Michelangelo's, you know, St. Peter's Basilica. Now you just go, wow, yeah. Let's get down to business. When we make this religion, have really cool hats, better than the Catholics, and... Uh, you know, it's just some really great architectural endeavors. We don't stop and go, you know, maybe if we insisted that everybody love one another in this group. Well, so much about groupness is not getting along with people. Excluding others. 
Simon Peter said to him, because Simon Peter's first in line, if you're going to say dumb things to Jesus, you have to wait for Simon Peter. He's got number one. Said to him, Lord, where are you going? Uh, Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. So the Lord is not saying, oh, this is never, you're, I'm deserting you forever, amen. It's just for now. You'll come later. Peter said to him, because if you're ever going to be dumb and insistent, have you ever been dumb and insistent on it? Where you really thought something was true and you mentioned it and the person kindly corrected you and then you insisted that you were right. Or it sounds like a kid in the back seat. Lord, why can't I not follow you now? I, you, you, why can't I go with you now? Huh? Can, I, can I come? I will lay down my life for you. Don't you understand how religious I am? I want this religion that I am forming around you. I'm following you, Jesus. I think the world of you, I think you are the son of the blessed, made the great confession. He's like really close to Jesus. And the Lord is saying, throwing this spanner into this development of the religion or the sect of Judaism, you want to call it that. And Peter is always going, no, that's not the way I want it to go. Remember when he said that about, no, you, the Lord, you're, you're not going to die. You're not gonna, I'm not going to let you kill, kill you. And, and the Lord calls him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. We're, we're oftentimes not designing the right religious response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in this case. We're, you know, you know that all souls were little conscious and not having too much specialty drawing, 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 draping purple ribbons around things, you know, royalty. And you always have a cross. If you had a, we inherited that cross, not our fault, okay? I'm not a big fan of crosses, especially the Ikea cross that we have. But if we were any kind of Christians at all, someone would have gotten in here early with a purple piece of fabric and have draped it over the arm, it's called the transept, across the middle and up around the other arm. Because that's going to make you feel more resurrection And royalty. Now, I don't think it's a sin. I don't think it's crazy. I just We're not that kind of church, I hope. Don't ever become that church. I'll be dead soon. You can do what you want. But the resurrection is doing something. Evan's dislike for things churchy is not reason to go, well, the resurrection, why are you paying attention to it? Peter's paying attention to it. Peter says, I want to come. You can't come now, but I want to come now. I'll, I'll lay down my life for you. You can, you can say to the saints, I'll do so much for this church the way I, if, I, if it's the way I want it to be. I'd give so much to this church if it became what the image of what I thought religion ought to be. And sometimes you just look around long enough for the kind of church that is what you want it to be and then you give your time and your money to it. We want to know what the Lord wants us to be. 
Peter is offering to die for Jesus Christ. Look what the Lord says. Jesus answered, You will lay down your life for me, Skippy? Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. Ow. Because so many times the religion we offer to God, remember a few weeks ago we were talking about making religions to offer our God. Practicing religions. Instead of him making his religion in us, he makes Christians out of us. We don't make a Christianity and go here. Interesting, isn't it? I colored inside the lines. You can offer your life for Jesus if you want, but he's looking at you and going, I don't think you're there yet. I don't think you understand what this is about yet. I mean, think about how long Peter had to figure things out. I mean, into the book of Acts, he's already having to be shown visions just to talk to a Gentile. And then he gets wobbly when he goes to Antioch and Paul has to chew him out about going, going wobbly because of the nature of grace to the Gentiles. Do you know what Jesus Christ has brought you in his resurrection? Primarily. You can, you know, some people who like to have like home fellowships and which is cool, or, or meet in a warehouse, which is okay, or they look at us in a pointy windows, steeple, I think you're a little uh, uh, flowers. Once a year. What do we... Uh, we all do th different things religiously that you enjoy artistically. But you need to have encountered the right thing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because God is glorified in him. Christ is glorified. There's supposed to be some great transference of something. He doesn't think Peter's ready to be throwing religious offerings at Jesus' feet. I will die for you. He won't die for Christ. Christ is about to die for him. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, I want you to stop. You're familiar with this passage. You've heard it. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Now, Jesus, I, I remind people, and I know that it's a hobby horse of mine, because I, religion does very little for you. It's really an artistic expression, suits your temperament or your art form, but our Lord delivered us a religion that changed people, changed who we are, and it was for you your future of seeing him your room that is set aside for you by Jesus Christ that he will come again and take you to himself so that we can be where he is 
It doesn't say, I'm going to have really great ceremonies where the processions and the parades are two hours long and many candles and X number of sacrifices and the, and the, the choir will sing love. You know, it's not describing any kind of religion at all. He's saying, we're going to be together. The, this is the tension, the trouble of the resurrection, the trouble of the death of Jesus Christ. Let not your hearts be troubled, says a little bit later. I will not leave you desolate. The trouble is personal. We want to be sure of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we want to be where he is. All of you will hear religion, in a religious discussion, you'll say, oh, there is a way. And some of you have got more you know, engineering minds that you'll pick up the way and go, okay, what's the, how many points are there 17 things I gotta do? You like lists, you like instructions. Thomas, Christ just said in verse 4, you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, and I put these guys' names in red because I didn't want you to miss. It's like four different disciples go, oh, can I be extra stupid today? Or just, just believe them along the wrong track. They don't say all stupid things, but Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? He's still trapped By expectations, I don't know what he's expecting, but he's told them countless times, we're going to town, wouldn't he say that a few, few uh, chapters ago? I'm going to town, they're going to kill me. Thomas is the one who said, come let us go die with him. The two chapters earlier, when he left, when they left, uh, uh, raising uh, Lazarus from the dead. Thomas, yeah, verse 11, chapter 11, 16. Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. What are they, processing anything? Not, they, don't, oh, they don't think that the death is part of the plan. They don't think the death of Christ is the separation that Christ intends. That's the curse of being persecuted, not the answer to all men's sins. So he, doesn't, he wants to know, what, okay, where are you going and what's the way? Because it seems like that's important. Jesus said to him, and I want you to hear this, not like you saw it on a billboard between Coeur d'Alene and Spokane. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Where are you going? How do you get there? And this is the, you know, the grasshopper moment. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Look at the reward that's there. No one gets to where you're going, which is the Father. But by the way of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't seem to offer you anything religiously. Metaphysically, yes. Directionally, yes. It tells you where to look. 
And if anything comes up this morning, I want you to look at Jesus Christ. Not to think about dying Jews on crosses. To see if you can work yourself up and do an emotional. Not thinking about how much you like the hymn, whatever the hymn, he arose. I want you to be thinking of Jesus Christ. Because without him, the way, the truth, the life, you don't get to the Father. That's where we're going. That's what, but it's a relationship with you. Right? It's, it's establishing something with you. He is leaving to come back and get you. Not waiting until Christianity corporate finally gets this all worked out over a few hundred thousand years and Jesus can come back and cash in on his uh, corporate investments called Christianity. No, it's you. And you want to be wanted. You want to be expected to be with him. You don't want him to leave you. So when he promises how he is going to be with you, when he gives you instructions about how you should be, say, oh, okay, all right. Since we all want to be together, you want to be with us, we, you want to be with the Father, you want to be the Father, and you want to be with your church. Okay, how do we do that again? Okay, you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. Okay, you, let's be looking at you. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth, you know him and have seen him. He tells Thomas something that Thomas already has. You know me, Thomas. If you know me, you know the Father. This is not a chance to veer off into a discussion of the Trinity. Your free time, do it all you want. But this is a time for you to go. To have met Jesus Christ is to have met God. Philip said to him, it's his turn, Lord, show us the Father, and we shall be satisfied. Because if it's not a pattern of religion that you're going to offer him, that he says, Jesus, you're not following the right pattern of religion, you're talking as if being with you is what... You're not doing that. You're, you're, you're separating us. You're, you're, you're just giving us love. What's the, what's the upside of this? Philip says, okay, you mentioned the Father, okay. Uh, just show us the Father. Well, give us a metaphysical experience. Catch us all up into the heavenlies that we might see the Father. And Jesus said to him, you complete idiot. Have I been with you so long? And yet you do not know me, Philip? You ever feel that when he says their names? You do not know me, Philip? I mean, I'm, my name's Evan. Jesus Christ never mentioned my name in his life. He didn't probably even think of my name in his life. Philip gets to say something dumb. And he says, don't you know me, Philip? What's, 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 we were talking about it the other night. We were, when the passions were up, we were talking about uh, what was the greatest compliment you could pay someone, and that is attending to them, remembering them. That was one of the cases being made. You know how much it matters when, you know, uh, sometimes the pastor forgets your name when you're making a prayer request. 
like Livy, just got forgotten today. I had to look at her, think, look at her again, think. She's going, oh, how I hate this man. And <laughs> I wish I could forget his name, but I can't. But I finally remembered it. Or you're visiting from who knows how long ago. And it's not like I lived with you like with Jay, but you know, I, I'm, I'm grasping it. And I say, oh, hi, good to see you again. No name. But what if I remembered your name? So why is he going off on this remembering names? It's not like Jesus had a memory problem and we want to find out how much he mentioned people's names. But it's an emblem of something. You know when you were addressed by name. It says in the resurrection you'll be given a white stone with your own private name on it. I have a name. Well, what's happening with a name? What does that do? What does what does a name mean? My name is Evan, and when somebody says, "Hey, Evan," I turn around. Right? I hear you. I turn around. Go home. Yeah. What? I know. I have been pulled out of the herd. I am an a agent, an autonomous agent that that person calling my name spoke to. I want you to think about the miracle of your creation. You exist. This is not just God's power to make stuff. This is stuff. Okay? You're made of stuff. You're a sack of enzymes standing around. But you are an autonomous agent. God made, by the power of God, agents that were not him. Or was it not he? Yeah, right first time. Now, when you have an agent that is not him, you ever, some of you gave birth, raised kids. Remember that moment when you realize they do not think entirely like I think. They are not holding my positions. What is up with this? The, the child may feel it. I can remember Michael being very, very concerned when she realized she had a different opinion about church music than I had, and she thought I held my opinion very strongly. It was like rebellion. We frightened the Wilson family over church music issues. You begin to realize that there's someone else there. They're not just a little citizen you trained to mimic you in every respect, and how what a proud father you are when your little son is wandering around in your little clothes, and he looks just like you, and everybody says, he looks just like his father. And finally he's 14, and you say, what a little bastard. I'm sure I'm not like that. It's autonomy. And the name, your name in this cosmos, before God, and Christ's name in the cosmos before God, which has been glorified in his resurrection, you are meeting him in Christ. You are meeting him in your faith. He is addressing you by name. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Philip has the moment, the great religious moment. He has met God. He has seen God. He has known God. And he's going, show us God. 
Have you? Are you waiting around for a cool enough religious moment to happen to you? Or do you believe that if you have met Jesus Christ, you have met the Father? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus Christ, in this whole passage about his going away and coming again, what he's doing is all personal about the relationship the resurrection of Jesus Christ means to you. He died, was buried, not just as a, whatever you view the atonement as, penal substitutionary atonement, or Christus Victor, whatever you want to view. It's not this, just this generic thing that happened in history for generic sins of either, you know, but it was yours. You. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So he's asking for you to love one another, right? They all want to be with him. They're all a little confused about what's going on. But they're all displaying in their wanting that they want to be with Christ. And he's saying, I'm going to answer this, but not the way you expect it. I'm going to go away, but you can come later. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. Truly, truly, verse 12, I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever Jesus Christ is doing, he's promising his people that they will still represent this greatness here on earth. Greater works, because he goes to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Remember, he remembered Philip's name. He probably knows your name now. You remember his name. And you do it in the Father's name. And you do it in Christ's name. And it's all because you are name recognition agents tied to one another. You have turned to face God. And God has turned to face you. The resurrection is him coming back for you. Then he says, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm trying to suggest to you that you go through this passage looking at it personally. Looking at, but my master, my rabbi, my God is going away. What, do I, what does he mean by this? What is he offering? How are we negotiating his absence? I'm going away. It's like dad going away on deployment or something like that. What, what's the plan for keeping us united as a family? Well, I'll, I'll Skype with you every Wednesday night. Re- letters twice a week. You want to know that. You want to know that when a separation like that happens, that there's a plan. Jesus Christ's plan is not, hey, let's create a religion that you'll all commemorate these things by. It's, how do we keep this relationship alive? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth 
whom the Lord cannot, the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and will be with you, will be in you. You notice that all is about what you have and don't have, who you know and who you don't know. Well, they say that in business. It's all a matter who you know. But who you know, not who. You ever see anybody old here? Betty Crocker, who is a pretty attractive woman for being a cartoon. And they changed her over the years from way back. She has the gift of undying life. But you know, I'm not deceived. I don't think Betty Crocker and I have an intimate relationship of any sort. We're close. I've eaten many of her casseroles. Her brownies. I think, what do we have here? Betty Crocker stuff. Mixed brownies, yeah. There's a name there. It's just a title for a corporation. I don't know if you know it was just a name for a corporation. And that face is just a logo. Don't turn Jesus Christ on a cross into a logo for Christendom. Because unless you love him, I'm sorry, you have no relationship either Betty Crocker or the church that will bring you to holiness. Because you can't love that thing that corporation, that well I love these people so much and the way we do things on Sunday so much I'm never going to do anything bad again no, if you love Jesus Christ, if you love him and he's saying, the one you love is going, if you love me it's not me with my friends talking over here, if I loved him I would do this, well that may be true but it's the guy being loved he says, if you love me you will keep my commandments not only that, my part of the deal is I'm going to give you the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth, to dwell with you once again the presence of you being in a relationship with God Himself. You've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. If you know Christ, you know the Father. If you've loved Him, you do what He says. If you've done what He says, He gives you the Spirit of Truth. He will dwell with you and will be in you. I will not leave you desolate. What do we try to make up? This lack, this, this troubling and this desolation that Christians feel because there just isn't enough magic in the faith anymore and miracles aren't happening and whatever else and our kids are wandering away from the church and all sorts of other things and we feel desolate. We're supposed to be about something else. And maybe if we were about Jesus Christ in us, we would not be, uh, our desolation would be relieved. He says, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. And in that, he is claiming the resurrection. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. He just hung the resurrection in very vague, grasshopper moment terms. It's kind of the Zen of Christianity. Ah. I will go, they will not see, Yahweh will be back, you will see. What? You can understand being Thomas, you can understand being Philip, saying dumb thing. But you know now, because of the resurrection, it says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Parse that out. If you're talking about a religion in which Christ is in the Father, and he is in you, and you're in him, 
saying, he wants me to be thinking at least this way, even if it's a little confusing, at least this way about it. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. The idea, the word epiphany, means God manifest. Is God manifested to you? Have you loved him? If you loved him and did what he said, God will love you. Christ will love you. And they'll make themselves clear to you. He's not offering you deeper, higher promotions in the corporation. He's not offering you better social standing with the rest of you yahoos. He's offering you to know you. This is love. This is facing him. He's facing you. You're facing him. You're understanding. You're saying, I think he knows better how to run my life than I know how to run my life because if I love him, I must not love me to that extent. I mean, it's a pretty easy equation to make. Tell the wife, honey, I really love you the most. But uh, Mrs. Johnson next door has told me that I need to go to the store for her. Well, honey, we're having dinner. But she told me to go to the store for her. The wife begins to wonder if you love Mrs. Johnson more than her because you're not doing what she would like, you're doing what Mrs. Johnson would like. Because Mrs. Johnson wants some eggs picked up. If you love Christ, you keep his commandments. If you do, it's who you, it's who you love, it's who you obey. He, is he manifested to you? When you turn your face toward him, You're looking on him, he's looking back on you, he's loving you, you're loving him. And that his will becomes the thing that is operative in you. The last passage here. Um, Judas, he said, oh, parenthetically, not Iscariot. And I can just see Jesus going, I, Judas, not a bad question, too bad about your name. I mean, the book of Jude is actually the book of Judas. A different Judas. It's such a bad, it's like named Benedict. You know, yeah. I grew up, the only Benedict we knew about, because we were Protestants, Benedict Arnold. Right? You don't name your kid Benedict or Adolf or anything like that. Other people, more Catholic backgrounds, oh, Saint Benedict. Oh, you betcha, Benedict this, Benedict that. It means good, good word or good speech. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Okay? Good question. Not that confused Thomas or Philip business or, or Peter who thought he was further along than he was. Judas is up there. He's got something. Jesus answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you understand that? He just asked, Jesus had just said something similar to this. 
Judas asks the question, well, how will the world not? So he says, it's going to be done in you. If you follow me, if you love me, if you do what you're told, the Father and I will come to you and make our home with you. You will be lived in by God. Do you hear it in children's evangelism? Um, ask Jesus into your life. That's not entirely wrong. It may have some problems with it, but it's not entirely wrong. You're asking perhaps Jesus into your home. Your life, you don't have much life to offer. But into your being. And it's by you loving him and keeping his word. So when I, what you're stopping to say about the resurrection, my, my Lord, who was going to leave, says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, to the place I am going, from which I will come. I'm preparing a place for you, and I'm going to come back and live with you. And I'm going to give you a counselor to live with you. I have all sorts of ways of being with you. How are you being with me? Do I seek his way, his truth, his life? Have I wanted what he teaches? Have I believed what he teaches? Have I known it? I have loved it? Have I obeyed it? Or did you just pick out the kind of church you would like to go to and go there? Because it's good for Americans to have a church. Is that, is that your relationship with Jesus Christ? It's good for Americans to have a church. You either know Jesus Christ or you don't. You either obey Jesus Christ or you don't. You have wanted Jesus Christ or you don't. Now we don't always have rights. Even the apostles have dumb questions. Even the apostles need dumb answers. Even the apostles need to be told obvious things. But sometimes we miss it too. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your son's resurrection. That he left, came back to life, has ascended to be with you, is preparing a place for us, has looked out for those who love him to make his home with them, with his spirit, with the wholeness of God. We'd ask that we would enjoy that kind of Christian life in your son's resurrection. And in his name we pray. Amen.